Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Matthew chapter 22, we are continuing to walk through the Gospels like we do on Wednesday nights and have been for some time and basically following the timeline of Jesus chronologically um, through Usually we end up in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and sometimes John, and sometimes all four. Uh, But tonight, we're going to first go to Matthew chapter 22 for a moment, and then to John 5. But I need to kind of set the stage for where we're going when Jesus, again, has another confrontation with those good old Pharisees. Chapter 22, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, everybody say on these two. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thank you, Father, for this time together with your people. What a joyous occasion it always is to be in the house of God with the people of God. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, the supernatural, living, powerful force that it is. We welcome your word into our ears, therefore into our hearts, that faith, Lord, would come at the hearing tonight of this word of faith, that your people, Lord, would be emboldened in their faith and strengthened in their faith, giving glory to God and realizing yet again, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for that. And Lord, now I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's go to John chapter 5 and verse 8. Now we're going to go back and kind of jump right into that timeline where we left off from last week when we talked about Jesus giving those two illustrations about the new fabric. They don't sew it to the old fabric, nor do they put new wine in old wineskins. John chapter 5 and verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now this was a man that was uh, dealing with some kind of a sickness or infirmity for 38 years at a place called Solomon's Porch, uh, the Pool of Bethesda. It was actually five porches where the sick and lame could be there in the shade, and, uh, but waiting for something to happen. And something did happen. Uh, an angel would come from time to time, the scripture says, and would come down and into the pool and begin to trouble the waters. And whoever made it to the waters first got healed of whatever disease they had. What a cool deal, huh? But no one could really predict when that was going to happen. It's kind of like the lottery for healing. All right, whoever gets there first. And so this man had been there for quite some time. Jesus, realizing that, approaches the man. He doesn't come to Jesus. Jesus comes to him. It's a good chance at this point he didn't know who Jesus was. And he says, do you want to be healed? And the man says, Lord, I don't have anybody to get me to the pool Because if I try to go, somebody always beats me to the punch, and they get their healing before I do. And then Jesus then says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. 
And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Boy, Jesus seems to always be doing stuff on the Sabbath day. Stuff always happens on the Sabbath. And he heals this man and tells him, rise, take up your bed and walk. It's, it's pretty interesting. Most of the time when Jesus healed folks, they came to him. Sometimes an entire city would come to him, as we saw that in Matthew chapter 8. Remember Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's house where he rebuked her fever, and they came outside, and the whole town of Capernaum was out there, and he just took time to lay hands on them and heal them and cast devils out of people and deliver them. And, but they continually came to him, and many of them that came to him, this was an expression of their faith because they had heard the news, so they thought, if I can just get to him, I can be healed. But this man wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus came to him. So Jesus still needs something to happen. And usually when Jesus approached someone, he gave them something to do. Remember we talked last week about the man, or Sunday actually, in the Open Door series, uh, about the man who was born blind. Jesus noticed him. He didn't ask for healing, and Jesus went over and put clay in his eyes and then said, go wash at the pool of Siloam. So the man went upon Jesus' word. Here this man rises up upon Jesus' word, takes up his bed, and walks. So if he was going to experience that declaration by Jesus, then he was going to have to believe and therefore act on his word in order to be healed. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. So Jesus is kind of hit among the crowd here. Now, there were times that we know that Jesus supernaturally was able to walk through that opposition. Uh, but here, he just got lost in the crowd. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. This is the man he healed and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Wow. See, it's on these two commandments that all the law and prophets hang. Isn't that what he said? That is, to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. So, it's, it's all in how you look at it. See, they're looking at it as if the man was created for the Sabbath. But Jesus said, no, the Sabbath is created for man. That rest is for man. And, and it's a perfect opportunity for that greatest commandment to come into force, and that is the commandment of love. And Jesus is simply showing love to a man who has been diseased for 38 years. And these guys have a big problem with that because they're not walking in love. They're walking in rules. And such is the religious system. Bob had a voice like a jackhammer. He 
when, when he raised it, when he raised his voice, the uh, recruits in the barracks at Elson Air Force Base in Alaska. Anybody ever been to Elson Air Force Base? No? No. Huh. They awakened as if a shotgun had been shot over their heads. Rise and shine, dirtbags! Everybody up, everybody out. Let's move it. He'd been yelling at recruits for as long as he could remember, at least as long as he had crew cuts. As a master sergeant in the Air Force, his job description basically came down to yelling. As the airmen prepared for another five-mile run, Bob looked out the window there at the barracks and his mind went to a pl another place as he saw that the sun was, the sunlight, the sunrise light was lighting the snow-capped mountains, the big tall pine trees along the, the river there, beautiful there at Moose Creek, the massive boulder in the middle of the rushing stream where a grizzly bear was perched on that boulder waiting for his salmon to swim by on its way to spawning. He took that moment to soak it in. And upon doing that, he did something pretty unusual. He quit. He quit. At 38 years of age, this master sergeant vowed right then and there to leave the Air Force, stop yelling, and move to Clearwater, Florida. So that's how Bob became a TV star. Well, it wasn't quite that easy, but it was the beginning. I mean, nothing is ever that easy. But it began the journey. And, you know, lots of rejection and frustration. But then, along the way, he caught a break. He caught a break from a lady by the name of Annette Kowalski. There in Clearwater, Florida, she had come to see his workshop and was highly inspired by his workshop. And, and she just knew that there was something about him. She had an eye for talent, and she was in no way an agent or a manager. So she decided to propose this business deal with Bob, and Bob agreed because she thought what he had was what America was starving for. Matter of fact, she was so moved by his way that she came there and saw him at a very crucial time in her life. She was suffering with deep depression over the death of her oldest son. But something changed, and she, uh, think about that, in less than a year, a year, just less than a year had gone by, and Bob, this retired master sergeant, not only had a hit show, but was the number one show on the channel. And eventually, he collected a whole body of work that eclipsed an unprecedented 400 episodes. That's how he became a famous star. But that took time. And in an interview in 2016, Annette recalled that first meetup with Bob and what it meant to her because 2016 was 20 years after his untimely death at the age of 52. And in that, in that interview, she used a term that they weren't expecting. She called him a tyrant. Now, anybody who... Any of those earlier recruits would have definitely said, yeah, he was a tyrant. 
But she said, I don't mean a tyrant like he was rude or mean. He just had to have his way. And she said, as a matter of fact, there's no way the show would have had its success if he had not had his way. So it was going to be his way or no way. But that's exactly what it needed to be. And imagine to his former recruit's surprise that in 1982 they would turn on the TV and their master sergeant, who once had a crew cut, who once screamed at them, suddenly appeared on their TV screens with an afro the size of a beach ball. Started whispering about fluffy little clouds and happy little trees and friendly little boulder who would help Mr. Grizzly get his lunch that day from the bubbling brook. The master sergeant who let his hair grow long and vowed to never raise his voice again would become a PBS star on a show called The Joy of Painting, who at one time screamed at thousands but now whispered to millions, the one, the only Bob Ross. These Pharisees, all they could think is rules, 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 rules. Screaming this law at the people. But Jesus came along and showed them the higher aspects of this law. Justice, mercy, faith, love God, and treat your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And they just couldn't deal with it. They couldn't stand it. And we're going to see throughout this course, this Sabbath issue, the Sabbath scandal again and again that he healed, that he did something on the Sabbath continually. I don't think that Jesus was necessarily trying to pick a fight. He might have been a little bit because he did for this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And no doubt those religious leaders were the works of the devil. But I I find it amazing. Let, Let me just say this. I'm grateful for grace. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? Aren't you grateful that we're on this side of that death, burial, and resurrection? And as Jesus is here during this time, and this new covenant is dawning upon the world, and he's showing them what this is looking like, the old covenant, those who represented the old covenant, were not going down without a fight. And they're still fighting, even though that thing has been fulfilled and And therefore, as the Colossians says, taken out of the way. But yet there are those who are still screaming the law. Now I want to go to Malachi for a moment. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. The the Sabbath day was a holy day that God had um, instilled for the nation of Israel to do nothing on that day, to, to not work, but to rest just as he rested on the seventh day. That's an important thing for Israel to do because this is a day when they would really kind of experience what you get every day, and that's resting in Jesus because the Sabbath is Jesus, or Jesus is the Sabbath rest. Matter of fact, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. So they get one day, but you get a lifetime of it. But we don't, as Gentiles, in our natural ways of worshiping God and the things that we do in this world to come together, and we don't, we don't do the Sabbath because that's not our thing. 
But we do meet on Sunday, don't we? And Wednesdays. But especially Sundays because that's the day that he got up out of the grave. The first day of the week. That's why we celebrate that day. And even Paul said when you come together on the first day of the week when he was teaching the Corinthian church on the subject of giving, he, it was already um, a regular routine for people to come together on Sunday. But there are those who have decided that what we do on Sunday is as a result of worshiping the sun. So it's a pagan day to go worship. Well, we're pagans. What else are we supposed to do? Sanctified pagans. But I want you to go to Malachi chapter 4 for a moment. And look at this because we do worship the sun. But to you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness... Who's that? Good answer. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like the stall-fed calves. I love this description of Jesus as the son of righteousness. Not S-O-N-S-U-N. The son of righteousness. Um, the scripture says that in him was life, and life was the light of men. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We can definitely see the son of righteousness there. But let's go to Genesis 15. We're going to go to a different place now, and we'll finish out with this thought. I want to just get a, a, maybe a new thought to you on this revelation of Jesus being the son and why we meet when we do, why Sunday is kind of our Sabbath day. And Chick-fil-A's. Genesis 15, verse 8. This is where the Lord and Abram are having a conversation. Verse 6, this is where it says, And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to him for righteousness. Verse 8 says, And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How shall I know that I will inherit this, what you're telling me, the stars? Look at the stars. So shall your descendants be. He said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. How many animals is this? Five. Five. So here we see grace. Then he brought all these to him, cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, here, walking through this, there is so much imagery to Jesus. All right? Um, when, when the devil and, and when the religious system came uh, against the people of God, this right here would be a good picture of Jesus being in that temple, driving out the money changers, cleansing the temple. Driving them away. Now when the sun, watch, the sun was going down. I want us to see, imagine Jesus here. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Now we can see that a couple of things. Maybe a a peek into the Garden of Gethsemane at this point. And remember when the scripture says that Jesus fell to the ground in agony while his disciples were 
in a deep sleep. And horror and darkness came. And he says he became troubled in his spirit and crying out to God to help him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they will come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they, will, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. What happened when Jesus was on that cross? It went dark. It went dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. So here is death here. There's a sacrifice here. And yet Jesus is still a light in the midst of this death because he who knew no sin became sin. And this is where he went into the place of the damned, into the place of death for us to secure death, hell, and the grave and to rescue those who were there, to bring captivity captive. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant. On that day, on Golgotha, God made a covenant with you and I, a new covenant established on better promises, saying to your descendants, I will give this land. Now we're going right into the promises, aren't we? Give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Whatever he has. That's why it's so good to be on Sunday because he is the son of righteousness who came up out of that tomb on Sunday. I know we went, we shifted gears pretty hard there. But in, in, let me just encourage you tonight. Whenever you are reading the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, if you will be determined to look for Jesus, you'll find him. You'll find him. A lot of error happens when the people aren't looking for Jesus. They're looking for themselves. How does that apply to me? It doesn't apply to you. Jesus applies to you. You got to go find him there. Then this stuff will make sense. So look for Jesus. Because remember what he told the Pharisees? You search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for this gathering of your, your precious people tonight. Thank you for the revelation that we have that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he's committed that same ministry of reconciliation to us as ambassadors for Christ. Now, it's as though Christ were compelling through us to this world to be reconciled to God. Lord, the world needs to see that God. They need to hear that story. They've been screamed at enough with the law, the church. Christians have been screamed at enough with the law that only binds them, that only pushes them down, that only brings oppression. 
I thank you, Lord, for this gospel of peace that has come to us. And it is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Wow, what a glorious thing. He did, he did, he did. We do nothing except believe and receive this free gift of grace. And I pray, Father, that we would ever be mindful of that amongst those who we come in contact with, understanding that most of the world is hurting. Most of the world is in great need for someone to stop yelling and show the beauty that is the gospel. I thank you that you have prepared our feet with the gospel of peace. As you took that moment to wash your disciples' feet, preparing them to preach a whole new message, a new covenant, and to give out the benefits of that covenant, the good things of God, the things that you have secured for us through Jesus' sacrifice, healing, restoration, deliverance, prosperity, forgiveness, redemption. Thank you, Lord. Blessing. I pray now, Lord, for those that are here in this room tonight, those that are with us by live stream or by podcast, Lord, whatever it is that their hearts are longing for, whatever things are stirring in their hearts, that right now, Lord, you, Lord, would answer. You would be a help. You would help remove the clouds if there's confusion and bring wisdom and understanding and insight. You would show them that there is a way. There is always hope. Believe on the Lord. Don't get caught up in your trouble right now because your God has overcome every trouble that is against you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for great grace upon these people. Great peace to be multiplied to them. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take a moment and just lift your hands to the Lord. Whatever it is that maybe you're burdened with at this moment, whatever issue you've got, just surrender it to Him. Say, Lord, I'm I'm taking, I'm going to make an exchange right now with you. You said, come to me, all you who are weary and weighed down with burdens. Learn from me. I'll give you rest. Let's make an exchange. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, Lord, we do that now. We make the exchange. Your word says, cast our cares upon you. How do we do that? We voice those things to you, Lord. We let these requests be made known to God. Thank you for helping these here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for meeting these needs exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. In this exchange right now, they'll walk out of here, Lord, with the joy of the Lord that is their strength, the hope that does not disappoint. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind are leaving their fears behind tonight. And they're receiving the love of God that casts out all those fears. Thank you right now in Jesus' name. For the answers, Lord, that they don't have, that, that for their questions tonight, uh, Lord, I thank you that you are uh, promoting them 
Lord, that, that favor, where it seems that favor and, and, and uh, uh, an advancement has evaded them, known tonight, Lord, things are shifting. You're putting those things in place for them, saying, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, you will reap. Just don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. He is sure and steadfast for you tonight. His word is truer than what you're seeing. His word is truer than your circumstance. That's why you hold on to this promise tonight, what he said. And don't settle for anything less than what God has said, than what he has promised for you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.